If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to open to the Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We have, of course, been following Jesus' Sermon on the Mount over the last several Sundays. We're trying to answer this question of how should Christians live in the midst of an unchristian world. Over the last few weeks together in particular, we've looked at the six antithetical statements of Jesus where he puts before us a piece of the law. And then he says, you have heard that it was said, and he gives us the law, and he says, but I say unto you, and he's encouraged us over the last few weeks to live our lives inside out. That is, to be concerned with our inner righteousness, and our inner righteousness then pushes our feet to walk in a way of obedience that is pleasing to God. This morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. We're going to skip just a few verses of Scripture there with the Lord's Prayer. But, but as we read Matthew 6, 1 through 18, uh, we're going to see Jesus moving us even further in this understanding of our lives being lived inside out. So let's begin reading in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him verse 16 and when you fast do not be gloomy or do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others truly I say to you they have received their reward but when you fast anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray together. God, as we walk through this passage this morning, Lord, help us. God, help us to look introspectively, Lord, into all of our hearts and, uh, God, the things that motivate us. The things that motivate our spiritual walk, the things that motivate our discipline, God. Lord, even this morning, the thing that has motivated us to be in this place, Lord, let, let our hearts, God, be checked today. Well, we don't want to be like the hypocrites, but God, we want to be like the disciples. We want to have an appropriate and a proper motivation for the righteous living, Lord, that you've called us to. So, Lord, even this morning, let your Holy Spirit speak to us, God. Let your Holy Spirit work in and among us, God. And, and Lord, let us all be convicted, Lord, this morning and move towards more holy people, Lord, a holy priesthood set apart as you desire for us to be. So God be with us as we look at this passage. Lord, speak through me. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. The first thing I want to give you is a reminder of our call. 
Our call is simply to live inside out. That's what we've seen over the last several weeks together as we've looked at these statements that Jesus has said. Jesus has said that you've heard what it looks like to be obedient to the law. But I say unto you, right? So Jesus has given us what the display looks like, what the outward looks like, but he's called us to an inward righteousness. Be reminded, he said, I've heard that you have heard, you have heard that it was said, excuse me, you should not commit adultery, a very outward act. But Jesus says, but if you have lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. Or Jesus says, as you have heard that it was said, you should not commit murder. Again, a very outwardly act. But I say unto you, Jesus says, you should not have anger in your heart. You see, Jesus has been turning our righteousness inside out. He's been wanting us to look inside of our hearts first and then seeing our results or the results of our lives being evident through outward living of righteousness. This directional righteousness, it is obviously a critical principle for his disciples. He taught over it six times, and it's a critical principle for us as well if we as Christians are going to live in an unchristian world. These set of scriptures that we just read, they continue to point us to what's going on inside of our hearts it's not only that we would be marked as righteous, but Jesus points us here to an introspective look of what motivates our righteousness. What calls you to be righteous? Why do you desire to be righteous? You see, in a time that we're called by Scripture to be introspective, these things are difficult for us. When Jesus asks us to look deep inside of our own hearts, these are these are hard instructions for us. And the same will be true for us this morning. As we begin to walk through these three stories or these three instances that Jesus gives, it's going, to be, it's going to be easy to look at everyone else's motives. But what's so critical for us this morning is that as we are like those disciples sitting on that hillside, as we are like those disciples listening to Jesus' instructions we're not called to look inside of everyone else or to judge anyone else's motives. We have to be looking inside of our own motivations. What is it? Why have you even come into this place this morning? What's driving you to become a more holy or a more righteous person? What drives you to pray? What drives you to fast? What, what motivates you to give to the temple or to give to the church? You see, these practices that Jesus gives here, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting, these were three chief practices of a Jew. And we know that these are three chief practices of a Christian. Giving, prayer, and fasting. These are three things that we've been called to as followers of Jesus Christ. They are representative of what it looks like to be righteous on the inside. As we give, as we pray, and as we fast, we will then become more righteous people from the inside out. But Jesus, he's using these three practices, giving, prayer, and fasting, He's not instructing us to do them because he already knows that they are a natural part of who we are, but instead he's asking us to question our motivations for them. Why do you give? Why do you pray? And why do you fast? 
As Jesus calls for these things to be evident in our lives, he wants also to be sure that we are living them in an approved, an approved manner, excuse me, that Jesus is giving to us here in this passage. Look, first of all, what Jesus does for us. He gives us a caution. This caution is what I've just been talking about. The caution is, a, is to check our motives. It's to check our motives. Jesus instructs us here to be aware of practicing our righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. When we desire to be seen by others first, in the midst of our pursuit of righteousness, clearly we are seeking their approval and not His. It would be better, Jesus says, to practice them outside of the view of others altogether than to do so before them. Jesus says this because he knows our hearts, that our hearts will, as did the Pharisee, be concerned with all of those people that are watching. He gives us these three practices again to point out three wrong motivations of the heart of these disciples. First of all, he says some people seek the praise of others. Look at what it says in verse 2. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their Reward. First of all, a wrong motivation is seeking the praise of other people. Now obviously we recognize Jesus here when he talks about this Pharisee who is giving, who is giving almsgiving inside of the temple or maybe outside of the temple gates. He is not literally blowing a trumpet before he offers his offering. He's not literally blowing a, a musical instrument before he gives to the temple what Jesus is, is reminding his disciples of is the hypocrisy of those Pharisees as they would walk into the temple. And as they walked into the temple to give their gifts, they would make as much noise as absolutely they could so that everyone would know how much coin they had put inside of that metal bucket there. It reminds us of the account that Jesus tells us about the widow's might. You remember that story. Jesus tells the story of a rich man who comes into the temple and who gives gifts. He gives a big gift and he does just what Jesus is talking about. He makes as much noise as absolutely possible so as to be seen by other people in his giving. And we contrast that with this story of this widow who comes in and brings one coin. We're told it's a, it's a mite, which is the smallest of all the coinage. And this widow brings and she places that one mite inside of that offering. And Jesus asks us a question, which one? Which one, the Pharisee or the widow, has given the most? And the answer is, of course, the widow. Now, I understand that story tells us that she's given the most because she gave all that she had when the other man just gave some of what she had. But I think the principle applies here as well. One was seeking the praise of others, and the widow was only seeking the praise of her God. You see, as we give, as we give to the church, and as we give to others who are in need, we give outside of the limelight of others, but only so that God can see us. This is further hammered down to us whenever Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. How absurd is that? It is impossible, right? But the one who gives with the right motives ought to be so concerned, 
so concerned that he is only giving in light of Jesus and by the eyes and in the view of God and he alone. See, a wrong motivation is seeking the praise of other people. But the second thing I want you to see is a wrong motivation is seeking to be seen by others. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. But truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray... Go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not seek the praise of other people. And even further, we ought not seek to be seen by other people. When a man stands to pray, when a man stands to pray, he should do so with the Lord as his audience and no one else. Jesus is contrasting here one who stands on the street corners versus one who prays in his closet. There's an obvious sense here that those who are on the street corners, those who are praying loud and eloquent prayers, those who are desiring to be seen by others, that they get their reward, that their reward is actually being seen by other people. When we stand and when we pray, we pray to an audience of one. We pray to God because we know that God is the only one that is capable of answering the prayers that we are offering. But listen to what Jesus is saying. If when you pray, you pray only to be seen by others, what does Jesus say? They have received their reward. It seems to me here that Jesus is telling us that the motivation of our prayers, the motivation of our prayers have an impact on where our prayers are heard. If the motivation of our prayers are only to be seen by others, it will in fact be seen by others and others alone. If our prayers are to be seen by the one Lord in heaven who can answer those prayers, it will be seen by Him and He can answer that which we petition Him for. You see, check our motives. Are our motives to be praised by others? Are our motives to be seen by others? And then finally, I want you to see this last wrong motive that He gives us, verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fa that their fasting may be seen seen by others but truly I say to you they have received their reward when you fast anoint your head wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret giving praying and now fasting obviously you understand that if you fast that there are certain physical changes that happen in your body if you if you quit consuming food and if you quit consuming other, other uh, liquids than water, then there's going to be physical changes that come as a result of the lack of food intake. And Jesus is saying here that when we do this, there's an assumption that we are, that when we do this, that we ought not do it for the praise of men to be seen by men. And then here thirdly, we ought not do it for the compassion of men. You see what was happening here is these men were fasting, and not only were they fasting, 
but they were making themselves up so to look even more emaciated than you are already if you fast for 40 days. They were making themselves up so as to see and to prove to everyone else that they were, in fact, fasting. See, what they were doing was they were, they were pleading for the attention and the compassion of other people. And Jesus is saying, if you only fast so as to be seen by others, if you only fast so as to have the compassion and the attention of others, then you will receive your reward and you will get compassion and you will get the attention of those that you seek. But if you fast so as to get the attention and the compassion of God, if you fast so as to get His audience, then you will be seen by Him and you will get His attention and you will get His compassion. You see, if in our works of righteousness we are seeking the compassion of others, the attention of others, then we are wrongly motivated. If you desire only to be seen by others, you are wrongly motivated. If you desire the praise of other humans, then you are wrongly motivated. And when our motivations are anything other than inward righteousness and the audience of our Lord, we are misguided and we will miss what Jesus says here is our promises the promises of our rewards in heaven. Three times he said, you will receive your reward, right? Your father will give you a reward. And then here, your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, this is the reward for doing these things in an audience of one. There is a resulting reward and it is an eternal reward and not a temporary reward. You see, if we seek the praise of men, be sure to know that praise will only last for a moment. The praise of man is, is soon to be fleeting. The ears of man will soon forget your prayers. And the eyes of the compassion of men will soon fade away. But the compassion of our God, it is forever and ever. The ears of our Lord will hear forever and ever. And the giving that we give will be seen and rewarded by our God forever and ever. What we ought to be seeking is an eternal reward, not a temporary reward, because we are seeking to please an eternal audience and not a temporary audience. See, this is important for us to understand. Every one of us in this room, we have to be certain that we are seeking to please the one that is eternal if we want our rewards to be eternal. It's why... As your pastor, it is not my desire to please you. It cannot be my desire to please you. If it is my desire to please you, it is fleeting, and it is fleeting fast. But if it is my desire to please God, then it will be for eternity, forever and ever. And your hope is the same as mine. It cannot be your desire to please other people. People are fickle, and their pleasing is fleeting. But if you will desire to live your life in such a way that you please God, you will have a reward from your Father that is eternal and will last forever and ever. This reward that Jesus speaks to here that comes from the Father, we are told, what is this reward? What are we anticipating? What are we looking forward to if we seek righteousness inside of ourselves? Well, I think obviously there is the reward of heaven. There is. There is a reward of heaven for those of us that are righteous. 
for those of us that have trusted in the blood of Jesus, for the cleansing of our sins, for those of us that are righteous as a result of the work of Christ, there is the reward of heaven that is coming for us. But there is also for us, there is a reward in heaven. There's a reward of heaven, but there is a reward in heaven. And that reward for us in heaven is the one that we are desiring to please himself. See, we desire to please this audience of one. And as we seek to please this audience of one, we will be rewarded one day with a very real, physical audience of the Father himself. This is what I desire. I desire to find the one that I want to please for an eternity and an eternity, and I want to be at his side. You see, our reward when we seek to please God and not others is an eternal reward. Go back up to verse 1. As Jesus uses verse 1 to, to kind of summarize everything that he says in this passage of Scripture, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have a reward from your Father who is in heaven. We're called to live our lives inside out, to be concerned with our inner righteousness, which will then lead to lives lived in righteousness outwardly. Jesus now is reminding us that we must check our motivations for those outward righteous acts. We have to be motivated by an audience of one. We need a desire to be seen by Christ and Christ alone. And so we apply this, this, this morning by asking this simple question. What motivates you? What motivates you in your spiritual life? What motivates your spiritual walk? What motivates your desire to be righteous? What motivated you to get up this morning and come into this sanctuary? What motivates you? You see, if you are motivated only to be seen by me or others, congratulations, you have received your reward. But if we will find a way to be motivated by seeking this inner righteousness to please God and to please Him alone, then there is a reward for us that will last forever and ever and into eternity. Check your motivations. What motivates you and your seeking righteousness? The second thing I think we can do this morning to apply this is, is that we can confirm our reward. As has been said... Jesus has paid the price for our sinfulness. Jesus made us righteous in the eyes of God because of the, the shed blood of Jesus. If you have trusted in that, if you have trusted in that salvation, if you have placed your faith in Him, you will receive the presence of heaven. Confirm in your heart that you believe in this reward that's been offered to you as a follower of Christ. Check your motivations this morning, even why you came into this place today. 